it's great to have the opportunity uh, to speak today. And although there is a camera, I don't, I'm going to ignore the camera for once, which is nice. We've been preaching to cameras for so long, so I'm just going to ignore that it's there. Uh, but let me start by saying it is human nature uh, to attempt to achieve something or do something without the necessary equipment, isn't it? It is human nature to try and do something without the right tools or to go somewhere without the right tickets uh, or you're trying to do a job around the house, a DIY job, uh, and you're just like, ah, it will be fine. What's the worst that can happen? And everything uh, goes wrong. Uh, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? I'm sure you've had those moments. And at some point, as you're starting, you realize you haven't got the necessary things and you just crack on anyway. And you think, you know, what's going to happen? It will be fine. Uh, I, I remember a friend telling me about a game he used to play with his mates called Petrol Chicken. Petrol Chicken. Uh, and the idea was how long you would leave your petrol gauge on empty before filling up again, how far you could go on a trip. Um, and uh, no doubt a very entertaining game until you were stranded on the M5 with no hope of getting home. And as crazy as that game sounds, and honestly, my friend got stranded, and some of you know him, uh, my friend got stranded multiple times. He has a family. <laughs> he has children. Uh, what is he doing? Uh, and as crazy as that example that is, it can illustrate something of how we attempt to live our lives with God. We so often struggle in life, don't we? In our decisions, in our attitudes, in our behavior, in the, relate, in the way that we relate to one another, in our faith, in fact, because we neglect a key aspect, a key resource of what it means to be a Christian. And that is to be led and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It's such a vital part of what the Christian life is all about, is to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does and how we can live a life being empowered by the Holy Spirit. In, in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then later in verse 26, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If I think throughout my life, the times where I've struggled the most, where I've felt lost or uncertain, anxious about the future, far away from God, disconnected with others, it's usually because I've tried to live a life separate and without the Holy Spirit. And my impression is, is that we easily forget or are perhaps confused even about who the Holy Spirit is what he does, how we are to keep in step with him. And so as this Sunday was approaching, my first time preaching to largely a full site, I was thinking, I was praying, just considering what, what would God have us hear today? What would we hear today? What, what should we be reminded of again? After such a long time of being away from each other and the hit, the spiritual hit that no doubt all of us have taken, what would God want to remind us of? And for me, it was who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, what kind of life looks like, the Christian life looks like being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, a life separate or apart from the Holy Spirit 
Well, there's no way of really knowing God. There's no way of living for God. There's no way of experiencing God. It's like a lamp that has been disconnected from its power source. It just becomes an artifact without any real purpose. You know, there is no such thing as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. And just for a few minutes this morning, I want us to consider what it means to be led by, to live by, to keep in step with the Spirit. Because it can sometimes be a bit of a mystery, can't it? We can sometimes think the Holy Spirit is this kind of force or energy that we somehow, if we open our hands, we somehow access And it's quite a narrow view of what the Holy Spirit is. Even the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like tongues and prophecy, that's just one facet of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So we're just going to clarify a few things first about who the Holy Spirit is. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a force or a feeling. When we open the first page of the Bible... Before the, the world was formed and ordered, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. It's kind of like a spooky start, isn't it? Verse 2, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. What is going on there? What it tells us is that the Holy Spirit wasn't created. It wasn't separate from God. He was there with God the Father. He was there with God the Son, part of the Trinity in perfect community together and all were involved in the earth's creation. In verse 26 of chapter 1 of Genesis, the triune God say to each other, let us make man in our image, in our image. And as people who have been made in the image of God, you know, we're not forces or feelings, we are people. And so the spirit is It's not a power or force, it's a he, it's a person. And then when we consider what the Holy Spirit does, there are some key aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit. If you were to ask someone what the Holy Spirit means to you, or what does he do, I think a common response would perhaps be around the gifts of the Spirit that we find in books like 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start a teaching series in 1 Corinthians from from October all the way through to Easter, which I'm really excited about, or perhaps the gifts of tongues or prophecy being filled with power, perhaps. And while those are all true, it's just one side of who the Holy Spirit is. So if, you, uh, if you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a phone, why don't you just turn to John chapter 14. We're going to be flicking through a, little, a few little places. We're going to be in Galatians 5 and, and John chapter 14. But thankfully, Jesus teaches us something about the who the Holy Spirit is. Aren't you grateful for that? That Jesus teaches us something about the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus, in his last moments with his disciples, he wants to tell them something. He's, he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. And he's leaving them with some key information. And he says this about the Holy Spirit. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In Jesus' words, the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of what Christ has said and the promises that he has made. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. If 
If you don't understand who Jesus is, or if you're confused, or you feel lost or disconnected, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The, the Holy Spirit makes Christ known to us that we might understand the depth of his love for us, that we might understand the gospel, that we might understand the Bible. How many times have you opened the Bible and read it and thought, I don't understand that, or that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, or I'm confused, and then you think, wait, I haven't asked the Holy Spirit to help me in this moment. He helps us to understand, to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, is also described by Jesus as the spirit of truth. If you flick to John chapter 16, in verse 13, this is what Jesus says about the Spirit. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit leads us, teaches us what Jesus said, and will also lead us into all truth. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to deceive you. There are no half-truths or white lies when it comes to the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does and says is absolute truth. And so if the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, he also then comes to convict us of sin. Verse 8 of chapter 16, Jesus says, When he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. You, you know when you've had that moment when the penny has dropped and you realise something needs to change in my life. I've been living my own life. Or you have that sense of shame because you realise in front of a holy God that your life doesn't match up with God's expectations of us. That's the Holy Spirit. We don't like to talk about that, do we, about the conviction of sin. It feels very finger-waggy, but it's, it's what the Holy Spirit does because he wants to show us who we really are. But then he doesn't leave us that way. He comes to teach us, comes to lead us, comes to convict us of our sin. And then the Holy Spirit also comes to live and fill us. That we might enjoy union or be joined with Christ forever. The Holy Spirit is like a seal, ensuring or guaranteeing an everlasting relationship with God. So that in spite of our sin, in spite of our unrighteousness, he then comes and fills us and makes us new. Helps us understand what Jesus did on the cross for us, removing that unrighteousness and sin from our lives, that we might have relationship with him. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Holy Spirit comes and does. He doesn't just go, bad person, you go and sort yourself out. No, he comes. He's committed to you. He's committed to changing you and transforming you into the likeness of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. I told you we're going to be flicking around a lot. Romans 8, that's why you need to bring a paper Bible, because people like can't work the phone quick enough. The benefits of paper. Romans 8. Verse 9, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Wow. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, 
The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Gives life to our mortal bodies. Joins us with Christ and so raises us up. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has made us alive in Jesus. And there is so much more that could be said of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when do you stop? It gives us revelation. We've already heard that from Sarah this morning. He helps us in our weakness. He is our comforter. He transforms us to look even more like the person of Christ. And on and on it goes. And Jesus said to his disciples, I am leaving you so that you may receive the Holy Spirit. I wonder what it would have been like for the disciples in that moment. I wonder whether they got a short straw there. That was probably their sense. Where are you going? We can't imagine life without you. And Jesus says, no, it is good for you that I leave so that you may receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. When you read the book of Acts, he came on Pentecost. It was like tongues of fire hovering over their heads. And a new era began. You see, before in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit uh, came, he revealed himself to particular people. Or in a particular way. So in the Exodus story, he appeared as cloud and as fire, leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Or there was the tabernacle and the temple in which the presence of God was contained within certain parameters and only certain people could go into the Holy of Holies. But he wasn't revealed in his fullness. Pentecost was unique in that the Spirit descended on everyone. On everyone. Everyone was filled. Everyone was changed. In fact, thousands of people were added to the church because there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And as Paul wrote to the Romans, when someone becomes a Christian, you are given the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit that opens your eyes to who Jesus is. If you're a Christian here this morning, you have received the Holy Spirit just as Jesus said. And so the encouragement throughout the New Testament is therefore, because you have received the Holy Spirit, to live like you do, <laughs> to live by the Holy Spirit. And so we're just going to sit in Galatians 5 just for the last few minutes. Because Paul is writing to this church and he's going through a whole load of different things in this letter. And he gets towards the end of his letter, having explained the gospel, having explained grace and not having to live by the law anymore. In Galatians 5 in verse 16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And like I said before in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what does it mean to live by the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Well, it's to have a constant awareness in every moment that the Holy Spirit desires you to transform you into the likeness of Jesus. It's to be fully aware of God's presence in you, that he wants to change you and transform you to be more like him. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 3, And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image as Christ from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So not only does the Holy Spirit want to teach us what Jesus said, but it's that we would increasingly become more like him in every way. And then in Galatians 5, Paul spells it out. Because he says, a life that is not in step with the Spirit, the life of a Christian who neglects the Holy Spirit, well, it looks pretty bleak. In verse 19, the acts of the flesh, our old human nature are obvious, Paul says. It's all around us. It's in our lives. You can't ignore it. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He paints a picture, doesn't he, of one way to live. Not in step with the Spirit, being subject to your own human desires. And he says, if you live this way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. This is what a life looks like without the Holy Spirit. A a life that follows their own human desires and cravings, Paul says, will lead to decay and destruction. And he says the desires of the human heart are in combat, are in battle with those of God. There is no negotiation or compromise. They are mutually exclusive. And then he contrasts it in the next few verses about what a life looks like in step with the Spirit. Thank you, Paul, (laughs) for not leaving us. In that moment. And it's those famous verses, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits, the fruit. All these things. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul presents two ways to live. You can follow your own way and your own human desires 
Or you can follow God's way, being filled with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And Paul says there's no in-between. There is no in-between. The message of the Bible, the message of the gospel is that left to our own devices, we were always going to choose darkness. We were always going to choose our own human desires, bent towards ourselves, always choosing us first and choosing to ignore the reality that before you were made, before the world was created, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were there the perfect expression of love, community, satisfaction. And in our sin, we choose to ignore all of that and make ourselves the God of our own lives. But there is a life that can look very different. Another life. In verse 24 of Galatians 5, Paul writes, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're not left to our own devices. We don't have to try and pin every sin that we've ever done onto the cross ourselves. No, Christ came and he died. And on the cross, when he was hanging there, he took the physical beating, but he also endured the penalty, the consequences of our sin, so that as far as the east is from the west, our sin and our human old nature would be removed from us forever. And the Holy Spirit comes and he, and he helps us to see that truth and that reality and then leads us to believe that that is the life. This is now the life that I want to live. I'm not going back. I'm not bringing my old nature up again. I'm not going to try and breathe life into this old body that is dead and gone. The Spirit has come and filled us. And those who belong to Jesus have been approved by God, not because of their own moral standards or that really good decision that you made that time, but by putting their faith and trust in Jesus, in the one who perfectly lived the one who perfectly just demonstrated those fruit of the Spirit, in fact, who showed perfect love, perfect patience, self-control, gentleness. We put our faith in him and he gives us everything. He says, you're mine. I'm going to make you righteous. I'm going to make you pure. I'm going to make you holy. And so in receiving the Holy Spirit, we are able to truly live a life that pleases God. I can't think of a better truth than that for now. When we've come out of such a confusing time, disconnection, asking ourselves questions about what life is about, feeling disconnected from God even. I know for me it's been tough been really difficult there have been days where I've just not been interested in my relationship with God at all I know a pastor saying that but it's true much rather watch football <laughs> thank you 
And it's because I haven't taken the time to understand something of who God is and his care for me and what the Holy Spirit does. Paul writes, when you understand the Spirit, when you've received the Spirit, he doesn't make you a slave so that you live in fear. Rather, you've what you've received has brought you into adoption so that we would cry, Abba, Father. And so by the Holy Spirit, you can walk with God. You can know his presence with you in every moment, in every decision, in every anxiety, in every struggle, in every temptation, in every health crisis, in every disconnection or isolation, the Holy Spirit promises to be with you, to comfort you, to fill you, to encourage and strengthen you. And so I'm just going to invite us to stand uh, now and at the beginning of this term, when so much is going on, I want to just lead us, again, to commit ourselves to walking with God and to ask the Holy Spirit to help us in that. And the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is he gives us what we need. He's gentle. Yes, he convicts us of our sin, but then he promises to walk with you all the way through. And so I'm going to pray and for some of us, it might be that we just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. We just need to ask God very simply, Holy Spirit, would you fill me again so that I would see you, that I would see Jesus clearly again. I've tried to live my own way and I've just got lost. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Some of us may just want to recommit ourselves to that, a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. For others, there will be a conviction that's come even as I've spoken, when you realize that you've lived according to your own desires and the Holy Spirit wants to come and give you hope and care and strength and to remind you of what Jesus did, that he wiped your sin away. The Holy Spirit wants to deal with your guilt and shame. It's not what the Christian life is about, coming to church and feeling guilty. The Holy Spirit comes and puts his finger on what needs to change and then gives you the power to break through that. And for others, it's like you've seen Jesus perhaps for the first time. The Holy Spirit has opened your eyes and you realize that you need to put your trust in him for the first time. So let's just close our eyes and just in your heart, if you want to respond this morning, if you want to know what the truly satisfying life that Jesus promises, if you've been looking elsewhere and you felt lost and confused, then you can just ask, Holy Spirit, come and fill my life. again.
you, God. We're so grateful that you've been given to us, that we might be called children of God. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you reveal in us where we fall short and then empower us to live a life that is worthy of your, your name, worthy of the calling that you've given us. Holy Spirit, come. just keep in this moment God might be speaking to some of us is going to lead us in communion. Lord God, we want to start this time with everything that's going on. We want to start this term by committing ourselves to you again. By acknowledging our weakness Acknowledging the ways in which we try and live for ourselves. But Holy Spirit, we want to take a moment now. We want to say, we thank you that you promised to be with us. Thank you that you promised to fill us. Thank you that there is no tick boxes, there is no religious principles or anything like that that we have to fulfill but it has all been done by you, Jesus. And so God, we pray that as a church family, we would know something of the power and the presence of your spirit, that people would be changed, that they would find their meaning and their purpose in you. We pray that this church would be filled with your spirit so that many more people would come to know and see you, Jesus Christ. That's our desire. We want to see a city changed for you. And so Holy Spirit, we ask, would you come in power that you would reveal and open people's eyes to the wonders of Jesus. We ask that in your precious name.